Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. And today I'll be talking to Chelsea DeMeo, who is also a licensed clinical social worker and a senior primary therapist at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health's Outpatient Adolescent Program in Hamilton, New Jersey. Today, Chelsea and I are talking about how we can validate someone's feelings even when we don't necessarily agree with them, which is obviously something that can be very difficult to do. All right, Chelsea, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andy. I'm really excited that you asked me to to do this. No problem. I'm excited to have you here. I guess before we start, do you just want to tell everybody where you work and what you do? Sure. I work at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health. I am currently at the Hamilton location, of course, working telehealth. And I work with teens in the DBT program. And how do you like it? What's your favorite part of working with the the kids? I think my favorite part of working with the kids, the teens, is Mm -hmm. they're just so smart. Um, And I think that they have so much to bring to the table in terms of mental health and their treatment. And I think I just love the interaction with them and, and getting to kind of hear about their struggles and, and hear about, you know, what they go through and see them support each other. I think that's been not only great thing about telehealth, obviously it's different than being in the building, but I think the great thing is just seeing how they can show up for each other and, and really support each other. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I remember one of my favorite parts about working with adolescents was exactly what you said. Like it was, I, I guess I think sometimes we have um, a tendency to be a little cynical about that stage of of our lives. And we think that kids that are in that stage of life act a certain way. But you're right, I've always been very struck by and impressed by the way that they always come around to each other and really support each other 100%. Um, Mm -hmm. And build those connections. mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it is. That's one of the really rewarding things I think about working with that population. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that i really kind of touched on on one of our previous podcasts was this idea of validation and how we can get better at validating exactly what it is our kids are going through. And, you know, as a therapist, this is something that you really have to do every day with the kids. So I guess I'm wondering, like when we're talking about validation, what exactly does that mean? When I say it would be a good idea for everyone to get better at at validating other people, what is that idea of validation? Like, what does that mean to you? Validation is the ability to really communicate to someone else that their thoughts, their feelings, their actions make sense and are understandable. And that word understandable, I think, is huge, especially when we're speaking about how we connect with teens, is making them feel understood, making them feel like you get it. Because if they don't feel that you truly get it, they're going to discount it. They're going to discount you. They're Mm -hmm. not going to feel safe to open up and share these really vulnerable parts of themselves. Yeah. And I really agree with you about this, not only being a good skill to use when you're talking to an adolescent or or a child, but you can use this at work. You can use this with your spouse. You can use this with your kids. But I'm wondering for a parent specifically, why would this be 
a really good tool for them to use with their kids? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So I think what I love about validation and what I really try to explain to the parents that I'm working with and the teens that I'm working with is that validation does not mean you have to necessarily agree. <laughs> and I think that there's always kind of that light bulb moment when I say that or when, you know, a, a patient or parent will come to that that realization of, oh, so I can validate someone's feelings without necessarily having to agree with the behavior. So Mm-hmm. validation doesn't mean that I'm agreeing or that I like necessarily what the other person is doing, what they're saying, or even how they're feeling. However, it means that I understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really pow- powerful. And I think that's really valuable when we're trying to connect with someone on a deep level where they feel safe enough, again, to share those most vulnerable parts of themselves. Um, I think validation really can help improve, obviously, you know, relationships in general. I think that it can deescalate conflict and intense emotions that we may feel. It shows that we're listening. It shows that we are trying or attempting to be non-judgmental to their experience mm-hmm. and that we care about their relationship. You know, you just talked about how validating someone doesn't necessarily mean that you agree with what they're doing or, or what they're saying or what their quote unquote plan is. So I guess I'm wondering if you can just give me an example of what it might look like to validate someone, even if you don't necessarily agree with them. Yeah, uh, sure. I I use an example a lot when I'm working with parents and teens, specifically around school avoidance, mm-hmm. that I think really highlights the important piece of validating without agreeing. So I work with a lot of teens who are struggling or who may struggle with school avoidance. and that kind of creates a dynamic where maybe a parent is having to provide additional support each morning to get them up, get them ready, get them prepared for their day. And let's say they are feeling really anxious and they tell their parent in the morning, hey, I'm really feeling anxious today. I have this huge presentation. I got to get up and I have to, you know, present this PowerPoint to, you know, 30 people, let's say in in the class. And I'm really feeling anxious about it. I'm really, you know, not feeling like I want to go to school today. And one way that a parent may validate that teen's experience is acknowledging the emotion saying, you know, I I hear what you're saying. I hear you're saying that you feel really anxious today because you have a presentation that you have to do at school. That makes a lot of sense. I get it. Normalize it a bit for them, right? I also feel anxious when I have to give presentations. That's a normal feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for you to do this presentation to get a good grade, to be able to learn how to tolerate this feeling. And I want to help support you in that. You know, it's important for you to be at school. It's important for you to, you know, learn how to overcome these these feelings of anxiety and and use your skills. So let's kind of talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, what could you do to help yourself calm down in that moment? What what could you do to kind of ground yourself in that moment? Mm-hmm. Um, so you feel a bit more prepared. So by doing that, we're, we're validating the emotion of anxiety that they're feeling and, and the feeling of not wanting to do this presentation and not wanting to go to school. And at the same time, we're not validating the behavior and saying, oh yeah, stay home. Sure, great. We don't wanna validate that. We wanna make sure that we're able to, able to highlight how important it is for them to 
still get themselves in the building. However, let's talk about a cope ahead plan. Let's talk about the way that we're going to manage it effectively. Yeah. So I guess I really hear like three ideas going on at the same time here. One is letting them know that you hear the emotion that they're feeling. So like, I understand that you're feeling anxious. Hey, I feel anxious sometimes when I go to work and I have to do a presentation in front of people. And then, so there's also that like normalizing there. And then the second thing I heard you say was really taking that opportunity to kind of act as as a coach as much as you can. So I hear that you're feeling anxious. Is there anything we can do right now to help you feel a little less anxious or to, you know, is there some kind of coping skill that we can do together that might help to calm you down a bit? And then the third thing I think I heard you say is, and you're still going to school anyway. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the part sometimes that they don't like at the end. However, it's a really important piece um, Mm -hmm. because you know, I think sometimes, right, when we're when we're validating that emotion, we go to that place of, okay, so you're feeling anxious. So, right, okay, you shouldn't go to school. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And it can become confusing where, well, I don't want to validate because that would mean that I agree with the fact that they're not, you know, going to go to school. And I say, whoa, 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 so let's pause for a second. No, let's take a step back. We can we can validate that feeling that they're feeling anxious and, and that they don't want to have to do this presentation. However, they have to learn also how to tolerate those emotions. They have to learn how to get themselves into that building, get themselves into that seat in class, anticipating that presentation that they're going to do and take those deep breaths and, you know, use some self-soothe and, you know, be able to tolerate and learn how to tolerate that emotion. That's what's really going to help them. That's really what's going to help them connect the dots to learn how to get through these stressful situations. And Andy, you brought up something before too that I wanted to touch on where, you know, kind of joining and and normalizing, there's a very fine line with that. And I think, you know, parents also have to be mindful of being able to normalize a behavior by saying, hey, I also, you know, went through this and that makes sense. It's normal um, without kind of shifting the focus to them or making it about them. I think sometimes teens feel that parents shift the focus from them feeling this this emotion and wanting to you know get feedback or get support where it turns into the parent talking about you know their life experience and mm-hmm. oh well let me tell you about a time mm-hmm. where i you know and i get it cuz i you know you are wise you do have experience life experience where you know you've also been through these situations so i think just being mindful and being careful how you use that that normalizing um in that moment cuz i think it can quickly be perceived or interpreted rather as the the parent you know wanting to shift the focus onto them and and give you know a, a story if you will of a time that they got through a tough time those are definitely appropriate but when the time is right you know I think there's a time and a place yeah no I I totally agree one of the things I picked up at a therapy training a while back is not to lecture the minute that you start lecturing is the minute that they're just automatically gonna their brains are gonna shut down they're gonna stop listening to you oh, yeah um, they tune you out yeah and I, it's hard to do that because you do have more life experience. You probably have been through, you know, many of the same things that they've been through, or at least many of, you know, you've probably felt the same emotions that they've felt before. And it's really easy to get into that place because you want to help them of saying, well, let me tell you about this time that X, Y, and Z happened and I was your age and blah, 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 blah. As soon as they start hearing you go down that path, 
that's it. That the game is over. They're they're going to tune you out. So maybe uh, one way to think about this is to just try to sort of avoid the the lecturing as, as much as possible, or at least try to catch yourself if you start noticing that you're going down that that road. Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying, Andy. I think limiting the storytelling as much as we can in those moments is going to prove to be more effective and successful to getting to the overall goal, which is help your teen feel supported, get them to school. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a time and place for the storytelling because I think it's very valuable and I think it's very useful. We just want to be mindful about when we're choosing that technique. Yeah, that makes sense. Something that may be a little bit more effective is not doing that in the moment where they're really feeling that heightened anxiety. Like if if you you know are on your way home from baseball practice in the car a week later and somehow it comes up, maybe that's a better time to start with sort of the storytelling slash lecturing. Uh, maybe they'd be a little bit more open to it, but not in that moment when they're really struggling with whatever emotion it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's funny that you bring up the car example, because when I do a family program, at least when we were in building, we would have um, a multifamily program and we would do a question and answer activity where the teens and the parents would write down anonymous questions that they wanted to ask the general population, uh -huh. you know, of the teens <laughs> and the parents in that room. Yeah. And we had a very funny question that we kind of always keep in there where a teen had written out, why do you always try to have important conversations with me in the car? <laughs> <laughs> and the responses we get are just so funny because I think all the parents and the teens can really relate to that because I think it is a, a time where, you know, you have that teen in one place at one time where you can really kind of have the the intentional, thoughtful conversations where maybe other times when you're, I mean, life can be so stressful and distracting. So it can be, you know, tough to find the time to have those conversations. So it's funny just hearing you bring up, uh, you know, that example. Yeah, that is, that is pretty funny. I think it's, there's always an opportunity for a teaching moment. And I think that's important to kind of reflect about ourselves. We're not always, as adults, we're not always in the mood to have that teaching moment conversation mm -hmm. because we're learning too, right? So we're also having, you know, those, those conversations with our supervisors, our coworkers, our bosses, our friends, our family, um, our spouses, uh, partners, and we're not always in the mood <laughs> to have those type of conversations. So I think what you're saying, know your audience, know when it's going to be a, a learning opportunity or a chance for you to really um, hit home the message. Yeah, definitely. And again, I, I think the cool thing about this skill is really that you can use it with all those different people. I mean, really, you can use this skill in any relationship that you have at work, sure. at home, with friends. I have another example too. Like, let's say the teen is feeling upset because they got a low test grade um, on, on a, you know, a test that they, they really need a good grade on in order to pass or, you know, whatever the circumstance. And as a parent, you can validate the feeling of them being upset and and disappointed that they didn't get the grade, the test grade that they wanted to. And you don't have to validate the lack of studying that led to the low grade. You know, so if you know that they happened to be up last night on their computer or they were getting distracted on TikTok or whatever, you know, whatever it is that they're 
that they were doing, because mm-hmm. again, we all get distracted, we all procrastinate. It's not helpful to validate the procrastination that led to the low grade. And yet it's okay to validate that. Yeah, it makes sense why you're upset. I understand that you wanted to get a good grade. You knew it was important for you to get grade. And then obviously somewhere along the way, there was a disconnect, you know, with actually planning the time to study and planning the time to to give yourself a chance to really learn the material. So let's, let's stay there. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think really the underlying idea there is we validate the emotion, we don't necessarily validate the behavior. So along those lines, I wanted to ask you about, I can just imagine for some of the parents listening who are dealing with a kid who happens to be a little bit more explosive, how would you encourage them to think about all this? I think with a situation where you have a teen who typically becomes aggressive, either physically aggressive, verbally aggressive when they do escalate or become what we call like clinically dysregulated, I think it's going to be important for that parent to dig deep inside (laughs) because I think in those moments, it's really hard to reach for that validation when your teen is screaming or shouting or um, cursing, threatening punching walls. Yes, um, absolutely. At, at that point, I would suggest being very clear and consistent with the expectations. So, so, so Andy, let's take the example of, you know, you have a, a teen who typically becomes, you know, physically aggressive, verbally aggressive when they become escalated in an argument. I've seen teens who might take out their emotional energy, let's say, on the wall. And maybe they Mm -hmm. punch the wall, they slam the door. Um, They take some time to de-escalate and maybe use some skills. They listen to music, they watch YouTube, whatever it is. You know, they take a walk. And then you come back to the conversation. It's very, very important that when you're talking to the teen about their actions and the choices, you know, that they've made in within that interaction, that again, validating the emotional experience is going to be so crucial without validating the punching the wall. Mm -hmm. So, okay. For example, you're feeling angry because we follow through on the consequence that if you came home late to your curfew, you were going to have to come home an hour earlier the next night. Mm -hmm. So I hear that you're feeling angry about that. I'm hearing that you're feeling upset about that. That makes sense to me because I know how important your friends are to you. And I know how much you've been looking forward to seeing them. I, I understand why you're feeling this way. And it is absolutely unacceptable to punch walls, to slam doors, to curse, to threaten. That is a behavior that we are not going to tolerate from you. We are willing, you know, to to talk with you and talk it through uh, about these feelings you have. And it's unacceptable for you to behave in that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So we are trying to show that we we understand what's leading to the anger that they're feeling. Sure. 
and, and they'll correct you, you know? So I think it's important to say, <laughs> am I getting that right? Uh-huh. You know, is this how you're feeling? And they will let you know whether you're getting it right or whether you're missing something while also making it very, very clear to them that they understand the expectation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're validating again, and we're like broken records on here, right? We're validating the feeling and we're really making it clear what the expectation is for what we would like them to do differently next time and how we would want them to respond differently in those moments. Because a lot of it is about modeling. And as a parent, how do I respond to stress? How do I respond in conflict? How do I respond in crisis situations? Because if we're expecting our teen, our child, to be able to manage their emotion effectively, which let's say would mean not that they don't feel you know, emotions intensely, but that the way they're responding to them isn't in a destructive manner the way we want them to be able to handle, you know, a a situation where they're really upset is, is that they're able to handle it constructively and effectively and communicate what the feeling is. If you're pissed off, great. Let's talk about why you're pissed off. Mm -hmm. You know, if you need to go take a walk, great, go take a walk, go decompress. Let's do that. Um, However, if you tend to find that you escalate when your teen escalates, if you find that you tend to curse or threaten, become dismissive, you know, leave an argument and not return. Based on how we are reacting is how the teen is going to model their own behavior. So, you know, I think it's really a chance for us to be reflective and think about, you know, how do I want my teen to learn how to regulate these very intense emotions, not just at home, but when they're employed and they're at work and and their supervisor says something that they don't like or a customer you know says something that they don't like um how would i want them to respond in a in a stressful situation with a friend um or a family member do i do i think it's okay for them or do i think it's productive for them to curse and threaten and you know walk away without returning to to actually sit down and resolve it in a calm way um, all all of these things all of these behaviors they're they're watching <laughs> they are watching they're absorbing and, and they're going to hold you accountable for it so if you do it they're going to think that it's okay for them to do it I just want to acknowledge that it's really, really hard to dig deep, like you said before, if you're a parent sometimes. As parents, as people, we have a tendency to want to win an argument or or feel like we came out on top when we have an interaction like this, whether it's with our kid or with anybody. It's almost redefining what winning is, what quote unquote winning is. And it's not necessarily like, hey, I got the last word or... uh, you know, I really put them in their place. It's more like I won because I really did a great job modeling for them what how to behave appropriately or or how I would want them to react if they're experiencing the same situation. And again, I I just want to say, as a parent, I know how difficult that is to do. And I don't think you need to get it right 100% of the time because you're never going to get anything right 100% of the time as a parent. But there's really no downside in trying to learn how to get better at validating whatever it is your kid is going through. And even if it seems like they're not really listening or they don't care when they're a teenager, I can guarantee you that that's not the case. So Andy, I just want to add here that validation has gotten me out of a couple of jams. 
So I really think it's one, you know, when they talk about toolbox and having things in your toolbox, uh -huh. this is something without a doubt that I have in my toolbox is how can I try to validate where this person is coming from in this moment? Because immediately when someone feels understood and that that person gets it, their defenses are going to melt. Mm -hmm. They're going to start, you know, to, to go away and they're going to feel more safe to be vulnerable and not feel like they have to have that armor on, if you will, sure. you know, to protect themselves. So I think validation is just such an important tool. And, and I think what you were speaking to, you know, as a parent, yes, it, it can be so challenging to manage our own emotions in those moments where your teen is screaming or, or upset or not listening or, you know, not doing what you want them to do. And I think remembering, you know, what is the goal? Our, our goal is to raise functional adults, right? So in doing that, it's so important that we model for them healthy expression of emotion. And we do that by showing that we understand, you know, communicating that their thoughts and feelings and actions make sense and are mm -hmm. understandable and really kind of help them connect the dots to, you know, critically thinking and, and problem solving and, and being able to be functioning members of, of society. You know, that I, I imagine in some way that's what all parents want is their children to be happy and to be functional and be successful. And it comes from really how we're modeling these behaviors. Yes. And before we really dive down into this, I just want to say I'm a therapist and I don't get it right a hundred percent of the time with my kids. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's really hard. So can you give me an example of a time that this got you out of a jam? A time this got me out of a jam. You said this um, has gotten you out of a lot of yeah. jams. I mean, Let's it's hard it. to pick one. It certainly has. And I, and I promise I don't mean this in a way that I've manipulated. <laughs> so for our <laughs> listeners, I'm not, I'm not condoning manipulation. You know, of course not. Uh -huh. um, with my husband, for instance, like me being able to validate why, <laughs> this is silly, um, but why he's upset that I just can't seem to close the cabinets in the kitchen. I don't know what it is, but my, it's, my ears are sensitive, I guess. I don't know. Like when I close the cabinet, they make a loud noise. So I tend to like not close them all the way. And that's something that bothers him. So validating, you know, you're right. You're right. I have to make more of an effort. And I went as far as, you know, we picked out these um, little cushions that go on them now. So like when you do close them, it's, it kind of uh, creates a, a more of a muffled sound. Uh, it sounds silly, but it's true. Uh -huh. And me being able to, you know, really validate and say, you know, you're right. I get it. I understand. Maybe it doesn't bother me. However, I can understand why that would annoy someone mm -hmm. if they're not, you know, if that's not something that they do or something that they quite find useful, you know, I can understand why that would be annoying and I'm really going to work on that. So me validating rather than saying, oh, come on, get over it. It's not that big of a deal, whatever. You know, that's just obviously going to escalate someone because they don't feel like you're really hearing them and respecting their perspective on it. Mm -hmm. um, so again, silly example, but it's true. I'm being honest. That's something that's, that's definitely something that, uh, that's come up before amongst other things. Learning a lot about you here today, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, we're, dig we're we're digging deep. I wish I could say that I could relate to that, but my wife has absolutely no complaints. Uh, you're just a perfect angel, I'm sure. Yeah. Just nailing it, right? Something like that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and you're going to use that, too. I'm definitely going to use that. <laughs> oh, that God. <laughs> All 
All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Just wanted to quickly remind everyone that this is the first part in an eight-part series where we're really going to be focusing on child and adolescent mental health and what parents can do to promote good mental health in children and adolescents. We'll be premiering a new podcast every week. And if you're interested in getting a notification as soon as a new podcast is posted, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen to this right now. The second podcast I'll have up next week, and it's also with Chelsea, and we're going to be discussing the six levels of validation and how we can use that tool to better validate our kids. So I hope you all found this valuable, and thanks so much for tuning in.